Welcome, everybody, to this week on Planet Internet. Podcast. This week, we're talking about why the 2021 Emmys are a victory for New Hollywood. We're also talking about why going offline can be a great idea for writers, for content creators, for professionals in general, anybody in the tech or creative industry. We've also got the lowdown on how to hack your next performance review. So let's get into it. I'm Natasha, your guest host this week, and I'm joined by Amy, your regular Hackanoon podcast host. Hi, Amy. Hi. Also with us today is Daria, Hackanoon's resident digital marketing strategist. Welcome to your first podcast, Daria. How is the weather where you are today? Yay, thank you. The weather is not so good because uh, like the autumn rains are back in town. So I think I need to order some vitamin D. <laughs> yes, yeah. Happy fall equinox, everybody. <laughs> yes, that is a big day. What exactly is, is it? It has to do with the exact changing of the seasons. Do, does anybody yes. have a more technical explanation? Yeah, I don't really understand like what the equinox means in terms of the moon, but like it signals the changing of the season. Yeah. So today is the first official day of autumn. Got it. I see. It comes from the Latin word meaning equal and nox, which is so day and night are roughly equal in length. And when the sun crosses the equator from north to south, it marks this fall equinox. Okay. So now we know that's what the sun has to do with it. I don't think the moon has much to do with it. So cool. Now we're informed. Uh, happy September equinox, everybody. Very exciting. On to more, more entertainment-based things. Why the 2021 Emmys are a victory for new Hollywood is our first story of today. It is by David Deal uh, for Hacker Noon. And essentially, it's a story about the victory of Netflix and Disney and Apple TV at this year's Emmy Awards. So I wanted to talk about that. Did you see the Emmys, everybody? Did you check in or did you see variations of outfit posts on Instagram until you didn't want to look at screens ever again? I saw so many dresses, have seen so many dresses. There was the Met Gala. Instagram has just been unplayable. Saw the pictures from the Met Gala. Haven't seen the Emmy pictures yet, though. Yeah, you've got to check them out. Some really stunning looks. The story is about how the war between new Hollywood and old media at the Emmys is over. This is apparently the hot take. New Hollywood brought home a total of 71 Emmys, including 44 for Netflix, which tied an all-time record. Old media, consisting of broadcasts and cable networks, won 31. So this guy is arguing that the Emmys are now a barometer for keeping tabs on how New Hollywood and old media compete with one another. It's pretty interesting to me that they have officially overtaken traditional production houses that streaming is doing quite this well, quite this fast. Mm -hmm. What is the best show y'all have watched lately? Are you tuning into anything in particular? And is it 
made by any of the big winners of the 2021. I don't know. Okay, I don't know who was nominated for an Emmy, but the latest movie that I watched was actually in theaters, which was so exciting. And it was Shang-Chi, which is the Mar new Marvel movie. I haven't been to the theaters in, I don't know, what, a year and a half, more than that. So it was delightful. What an experience. I loved it. It was such a good movie. It was so funny. But yes, this is not a new media, I guess, movie. It's an old Hollywood movie. I actually, I actually went to the cinema first time since the pandemic to the Cruella movie. And it was like, I read it about, the, um, about by whom it was made only today. And it was actually made by the Disney, one of the representatives of this new Hollywood. But what is so interesting to me is that both of you have recently gone back to the cinema. Do you think that was influenced by the pandemic? I never go to the movies, ever. Oh, uh, I love watching I things at home. I adore going to the movies. I'm the complete opposite. I will almost never put on a movie by myself at home. If someone else puts it on, I'll watch it. I'll never put it on by myself. But I will love. I love to go to the movies. So I basically haven't watched movies for a year now, <laughs> and so it was delightful. She has this part that was like so relevant to Hacker Noon, where he was like ex trying to explain how to pronounce his name, and uh, because we have so many people from all over the world working with us, we have this problem frequently where we don't know how to pronounce each other's names, and he was like Shang Chi. Shang-Chi and like we literally did this the other day was like Daria <laughs> I don't know yeah actually the same for me I never watch movies like movies at home I only watch tv series at home and because I really like like the, the feeling of this like the atmosphere of the cinema when you watch a movie like it's like a whole new story and going to the cinema helps like to focus only on this story and I also like yes. the popcorn because the popcorn the snacks yeah oh. and the cinema and the popcorn you have at home is pretty different. It's not the uh, same. Amen, Daria. I absolutely agree. I was reading a book recently, as you might know, the, the team might know, because I've brought it up a couple of times. I'm really enjoying it. It's a brilliant new book called Offline Matters by Jess Henderson. And its uh, byline is Less Digital Guide to Creative Work. And a quote from that is uh, about how the importance of what we create and experience offline is just inimitable and completely not something that can be replaced by digital experiences. And I think that's a good, for, for the future of cinema at least, that's a good sign because I mm -hmm. would think everybody's just got a big screen and Netflix and chill. It's something <laughs> yes, that like, I thought would maybe die. Is new media taking over only because of the pandemic and the fact that we actually can't really go to the theaters as much? Or is it because like new media is actually taking over? I don't know, but maybe in five years it'll re-level out to more old Hollywood. Who knows? We'll see. Absolutely. I last last thing on the Emmys, I wanted to talk about Michaela Cole's amazing accept, acceptance speech. She wrote I May Destroy You, which is a fantastic uh, show. I recommend it to everybody all the time. And she came up and said that her ac acceptance speech was 
for writers pr- predominantly. The story that she wrote is, yeah, it's not, a, it's not very light content as people might call it, but it's put in such a brilliant comedic kind of tone that yeah it was really good but her speech in there she said and I'll quote directly if you think do you think if I leave a little note here for Alex saying hey Alex could you just cut in audio of Michaela Cole's speech he would do that because I oh my god all right we'll have to see post-production what it comes out (laughs) right For our audience, Alex is our podcast editor, and he is he puts in all of the things, all of the pauses, all of the ums sometimes, probably about one-tenth of the ums. And it's real. It's raw. I like it. But sometimes I'm just saying too many times. It's tough. Anyway, so hey, Alex, put in Michaela Cole's Emmy's acceptance speech right here. Thanks. Okay, thank you so much. I just wrote a little something for writers, really. Um, Write the tale that scares you, that makes you feel uncertain, that isn't comfortable. I dare you. In a world that entices us to browse through the lives of others to help us better determine how we feel about ourselves and to, in turn, feel the need to be constantly visible. For visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success. Do not be afraid to disappear from it, from us, for a while, and see what comes to you in the silence. Thank you to Casey Bloys, Amy Gravitz, Piers Wenger, and various artists limited for two of the best years of my life. I dedicate this story to every single survivor of sexual assault. Thank you. Thanks. But just in case he doesn't, I'll read the bit that I liked to you all. So in Oh, That Entices Us to Browse Through the Lives of Others to Help Us Better Determine How We Feel About Ourselves and to, in turn, feel the need to be constantly visible, for visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success, Do not be afraid to disappear from it, from us for a while and see what comes to you in the silence. And I really like that because, right? It hits me on my home. No, I need the visibility to be successful. Everyone look at me. Look at how successful I am. Like what a... What? What a crazy oh. comment to make right now. I think everybody was just like, hang on, wait, what did she say? That really, it's so profound what she it has implied. Yeah. And in so few words, can we get meta and just talk about the fact that she got this really potent message across in these like concise terms? It's such a beautiful speech. And that's her advice to writers. And it's just so hard because you do feel, as you say, all the time, this constant need like to update people to feel seen, to be visible, even if you've got 400 followers, you're still like letting people know what you had for lunch and you have this visibility need all the time. Natasha, way to call me out. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I do the same. I do the same. I'm not even me and my 400 followers are super happy. Okay. (laughs) You know that I have to delete the app every week. (laughs) So that I stop myself. It is bad for me. It is so bad for me. The addiction is real. But yeah, so I I really liked that speech. And it also tied into this book that I was reading. So that was a cool coincidence. And in, in that book, Offline Matters as well, another 
quote she's talking about and for more context the whole book is for people who and she makes an interesting point how people who work in marketing don't want to admit that everything is marketing we'll call ourselves anything else I don't know head of editorial (laughs) (laughs) you'll call yourself like a design or an art director or like things like that where it's really you're I'm a wordsmith not a market but there's this shame for creative professionals because you're seen as I don't know selling out I don't know what it's about but yeah so she has a huge manifesto let's all admit that it's all marketing we need to do marketing we live in a capitalist society (laughs) we're doing the marketing so that if we can just admit that then we can do marketing more responsibly and create better marketing experiences and recognize that we do have the power to do that and that we don't have to just churn out what she calls a stream of posts promotions and mainstream marketing slash And again, I feel called out because every time you want to launch a campaign, it's like, how much can we create? How much can we post quantity without really going from the user and how we can add real value to their lives? Although I must say with Noonies, we're pretty good at doing that. We really think about how we can uh, raise the visibility of people in in the Hackanoon community. But yeah, sometimes it's easy to just slip into how many views and likes and that kind of thinking. So I think it's a really interesting argument, especially given what we all do, all three of us here today work in that field. Yeah. As our kind of digital marketing strategist, how do you feel about these topics or think about these things? I would say I also feel kind of called out when we talk when, when we talk about every piece of the content online as a marketing as a marketing in a negative way i think there's two sides of the coin and i don't see a lot of the problems with being visible because from one from one perspective it allows like human beings even online feel like connected to each other and feel like worthy of something so that's why i feel um, not really comfortable in some of the discussions which uh, argue that the technology and social media and all of, all of the digital presence bring only harm to the people, to like mental health. So I think we need to be looking at two sides of one coin and use the technology and social media as a tool to actually to make us feel more valuable, even if it's sharing a lot of the stories. I don't, I don't promote sharing a lot of the stories, which are meaningful, but yeah, as a company, we are trying to, to showcase the value of what Hakanon is of, uh, and w- of what our writers actually can bring to other people in the tech community. So I think uh, I agree that offline matters and uh, sometimes social media can really put us in a stressful situation, but we also need to learn because we are like adult human beings and have to use the social media to our own advantage. And I think memes uh, are also one of the greatest of using social media. Yeah, yes. and one of the most powerful ways to spread ideas, big ideas in yeah. bite-sized ways. Absolutely. I love what you said there because you really touch on my personal struggle with life in general. And I think for a lot of us, it's this black and white thinking and seeing things in binaries and, and it's either or. And it's always and both is the lesson. There there are pitfalls and there are dangers, but there are mostly or, or there are also benefits, which I think is sometimes in today's culture of taking a stand and making a a big statement about something, we forget the nuance totally. So that makes a lot of sense. Amy, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like I'm getting called out left, right, and center. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're I, speaking I, to I, my I, soul I, right now. Oh my god. Same, girl, same. Yeah, I feel like the constant need to like be sharing what I'm doing and look at me, look at how successful I am, look at how beautiful my life is, and it's like, why? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> that silence was everything. I really don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just how we are, we communicate now. And I, there's, yeah, the path of least resistance is to, if you can't beat him, join him. And as Daria says, we have agency in this life. We have accountability. We can choose to use these platforms and these channels in ways that are fun. And that doesn't always mean it has to be the most meaningful, educational, because I personally, the one thing that I do not stand for is this heavy activism that takes place for, for a lot of people in only Instagram spaces. I, but it's a personal bugbear of mine because I'm always amazed at the ability of, for example, where I come from, South Africa, the bottom of the African continent, all of my kind of circle of people, and now I am calling people out. <laughs> Before I was being called out, now I'm calling other people out. It's a chain, it's a circle. Yeah, so all of them, they get really intense on Instagram about American issues. And I just find that to be a complete fascinating consequence of like generally America is the cultural winner for now. I, anime and, and all of those kinds of things might challenge that more than we ex more than they yes, expect, yes. maybe. But I think historically, especially for my generation growing up, America, America content. Still, if I open Spotify, it's impossible to find a non-American podcast. I get so much American content in my life. So I get it. But it's they get so upset about these things that happen in America and you don't have any idea what's or, or maybe they do have an idea and just don't engage with things that are happening on their doorstep. And I find that to be very strange. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I don't think that these spaces need to be deep and meaningful. I think sharing your lunch is rad, especially if you had a good lunch. One of the positive ways for me to use social media, I feel, is to almost romanticize your own life a little bit as well. Make your day look Instagrammable. Why not? It's a nice way to live your life. People used to say you're doing something just for the gram. I'm like, yeah, at least you're doing the thing. You're yeah, getting outside yeah. and doing the thing. So that's great. Get that picture. Put that picture up. Do it, yeah, right? That's true. So, yeah. I, I think Daria's point is really great. I agree. All right. Um, anybody want to do any other call outs while we're, uh, while we're on the subject? Open format. <laughs> Let's call them all out. Yeah. Have your rant. Today's the day. Talking about rants and uh, staying with the theme of things that tend to happen offline. Um, hacking your quarterly performance review. This was a great post, very interesting angle. This is such an old topic, but this writer really covered it from, his name is John. <laughs> so that's all I've got on that. I don't know what his last name is, but he is saying that there's a secret about the quarterly review performance review process that they don't tell new managers. And that's how you're going to learn how to cheat the system by going through this process. And I thought that's a really great angle from which to talk about hacking quarterly performance reviews is how do they work from the manager's perspective and what does the manager go through? And so he goes through these kind of four steps. 
of how the, what happens behind the scenes, right? Because when you're maybe an individual contrib- contributor, you are only thinking about what you're going to say and, and all of that. And he talks about how your manager is experiencing that process, collecting reviews, collecting feedback, and determining how your contribution applies to the company's goals, meeting with other managers, talking to other managers about that decision, sharing reviews, giving pro- promotions and raises where applicable, And then some managers take time after an emotionally exhausting process. That's the introduction piece. Fascinating. Then he goes into this other trend that I've been noticing everywhere and these career frameworks, very formalized, tier-based frameworks for how your career path progression would look at a given company. And he's linked out to this really cool site called progression.fyi. And it sources open sourced career progression, career path frameworks, templates from various companies that are using and publishing these things. So Basecamp is in there, Buffer is in there, BuzzFeed is in there, some big names. And these are all people who have published their career path frameworks, the engineering principles, how you can expect to grow, what you will be expected to do at every level, very open, very transparent, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Is it something that you think you would like in your career? I don't know. What are your first responses to this? I've not seen the career framework before, like in this kind of manner, but I love it (laughs) because it's just, it's just like a good baseline to chat about what you want to do, where you want to go, what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish. So it's just like nice to know. I think it's nice to know that your manager cares enough about wanting to know those things and helping you succeed and get to the next step and that you know where your next step is going to be or what that might look like. And I know that a lot of different companies, there's so many different areas for career progression that you could go into. So are you going to become a manager or are you going to be more of a specialist or are you going to diversify or whatever? And having someone who is on board with you, like on every step of the way, that seems like a great time. I don't know. Yeah, I also tend to agree, but the thing that I like the most is that some of the companies, like really big companies, uh, have those career paths made transparent. And that's kind of an obstacle on the way on how to hack this, how managers can hack or some other people in the company can hack this uh, paths. So I really like that this, I think in the past it was only internal data, that this internal data are made transparent. Not only for the, not only in terms of the company team members, but also for like general public, because it gives you the idea and even some motivation, even though you haven't actually joined the company. And by seeing how your role might progress in this company, I think a lot of the new hires or people who are thinking about joining some of these companies will have more like more motivation to join those companies. So I think the transparency in that point is is an important uh, step. Yeah, I have some questions. I love the transparency. As you say, I love the idea that you get an idea of your progression ahead of time. I also find most of these to be extremely directive and detailed and granular in terms of up until 
up until like how you do your job. It's really like very step by step. And I'm trying to decide if I would love that or if I would hate that. Mm. I think it depend on, it would depend on the day. And I'm sure there's room mm. and flexibility. Yes. I'm sure the real life, the messy human process doesn't look this neat. But yeah, it's very clear. It is very step by step for each mm. person how to think almost, how to like the values as you see are listed. Um, you have to start yeah. with what's the, the strategy, what's the execution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I like that either. Cause in my mind, like when I thought about career framework, it was a lot less rigid in the sense that it would be more so, what are your goals? <laughs> what are you hoping right. to accomplish? What's next? Right. I think one of the reasons why they're like so strict guidelines and strategies is because uh, it will be much easier to gather the data, like the raw data for managers uh, on the people. And that's yeah, also debatable questions. question in terms of the ethic on how can we translate the human behavior and human actions into some numbers. Yeah, that's also another um, point to consider. Mm -hmm. Yes. On the other side of this flip coin, Darya, you brought, brought up a great point. I have high anxiety and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I constantly am like you're not working hard enough you're not doing enough like you're you have to be better and maybe if I had like a complete list of this is exactly what you need to accomplish <laughs> that I would feel less like that but I don't exactly that taking a look now at the Khan Academy engineering career development documents it has a description of people based on their skill level in, in real detail. So a beginning skillful is somebody who writes some production ready code and some code that isn't quite ready. Learning the ropes of our tech stack as well as our development practices. And then it goes into technical and their communication. Do they proactively ask questions and reach out for help when they get stuck? Do they clearly and openly communicate the sta status of their work? Planning is learning how to break down tasks and make accurate tasks. Eskimo is really detailed. So I don't know. Yeah. Is this anxiety reducing? It might very well be because or you know so clearly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I really don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's, interesting. it's a really interesting trend. And well, I, I can't even probably say a trend. I think it's been going on for some time. But in the engineering world, at least, I haven't come across it in marketing, or at least not as clearly or in editorial as clearly. But yeah, fascinating. I think since we have the queen of, you know, all things social with us today and Amy, who's just always got the ear to the ground, let's wrap up with a listening recommendation. So it can be actually any media recommendation. It can be a book. It can be a podcast, audio book, song anything that you are loving at the moment content wise i'll go first i am absolutely loving sounds like a cult pod it is a podcast about the modern day cults that we all subscribe to so they have various uh, episodes about our celebrity stands a cult for example like people who worship elon musk is that a mini cult that's happening right before our eyes is um, the royal family occult is row cycle and other like fitness brands occult so they have all these episodes and they talk about it and one of the hosts in fact literally wrote the book on cults called i think by the same title 
I can't remember, but anyway, she's a linguist and she writes about the language of cults and um, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, especially not online. about actual cults or just alleged cults? No, only like she's arguing for the that that modern day things, for example, multi-level marketing, which is brands start selling essential oils or Herbalife supplements or whatever, but they need to get more sellers and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So that's a cult. She argues that people who... I don't know, like religiously get into various things that are acceptable in modern day society. But she's asking the question in this podcast repeatedly, or they are, there's two hosts asking the question, is it a cult or not? And that's always the debate. Is Hatsune a cult? (laughs) Oh, interesting. I think all companies are cults to some degree. Yeah. I think they have to be to function. Especially startups. For sure. For sure. All right. Cool. Can I have two content recommendations? Oh, my gosh. You can absolutely. After I give proper credit where it was due because I blanked. Sounds Like a Cult is run by Amanda Montel and Isabella Medina Mate. I hope I pronounced that correctly. But yeah, Amanda Montel is the author of Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism, published this year. So get your hands on that great book as well. She also wrote Word Slut, A Feminist Guide to Taking Back the English Language. So exceptional podcast. Get on it. Thank you, Amanda and Isabella, for your contribution and beautiful work. On to you, Amy. Your turn. Go. Excellent. Okay, my first contact recommendation is this Hacker Noon story that is part of our Meet the Writer series that we're doing. So if you are a Hacker Noon contributor, you can participate in the Meet the Writer series. And this woman, her name is Elise Sam. She's from Kansas. She talked about how she got into this accident and had a near-death experience and that Bitcoin saved her life. And it's a wild ride. She she was plowed by a semi-truck, which is crazy, and had had to severely go tr- undergo treatment and everything, and ended up coming out with a book about stable economy. She is a woman powerhouse in the blockchain community, um, and I think her story is incredible, so that's a really cool one to check out the meet the writer series and the story is called mz stability near death experience started her blockchain journey super cool story really interesting and then my second content recommendation is a podcast that i guested on a few weeks ago and that is on the bits and bytes podcast so if you would like to hear me talk more about women in tech and diversity and uh, working in the tech industry in general, what tech is like in Vancouver, check that podcast out. I'll put the link in the description. Daria, what you got? Yeah. So for the book recommendation, I think I would like to, because um, I started reading this book by the Ranger Bregman. It was published uh, actually last year, but I also connect to our discussion about social media and about communication and connection social media might provide. So the book was written by the by the Dutch historian, and he tries to answer like he tries to offer the historical perspective o- over the selfishness of the people, and he actually argued that people are not wired to be selfish, 
uh, from the nature and from the history. And in the book, what I liked about the book is that he explains it from historical side, not from the social scientist point of view uh, or any other professional. So yeah, if you want to understand how people are worried to connect and maybe think more about how social media as, as a modern tool can enchase this connection, I would definitely recommend this book. What's it called? Oh yeah, I didn't mention the name. It's called The Humankind, A Hopeful History. Okay, cool. Yeah, he also had uh, this author, the book Utopia for Realists, which was published like six or seven years ago, which was also interesting in which he explained how some unreal utopian ideas can over time proven to be proven to be uh, real. For example, the democracy or other stuff. Yeah, but the human hopeful history connects more to what I'm interested in and to what uh, hackers might be interested in. Another content recommendation, I don't know, I'm not really a fan of audio content, except the latest episodes of Hakanon podcast. Maybe get to choose some random episode, especially from the last years of the Hakanon podcast, and maybe re-listen to it because we actually do have a ton of the content. And so I think even re-listening or returning to some of the content we had in the last years or months will actually serve you a lot as well. Absolutely. Agreed on that. And when you take that recommendation and go and find an old episode from this year of the Hakanoon podcast to listen to, if you do us the solid and leave us a review, we will stalk you and we will find you and we will send you free Hakanoon merch. And it will be a huge thank you from us to you for leaving a review on the Hakanoon podcast. You can help me do this. I've just decided it right now. It's a new okay. thing that we're doing. It's brand new. <laughs> we, but can, if, we will stalk you. We will find you. Uh -huh. We will send you messages of love. <laughs> <laughs> and stickers for your laptop. <laughs> we're also arguing hard at the moment for a Hackanoon baseball cap. So actually, you can yes. leave, say in the review what Hackanoon mode. No, don't do that because then, then they know we bribed you. Okay, don't do that. I take it back. <laughs> Just we'll email each other. We'll, we'll chat. My people will email your people and we'll yes. send you a baseball cap or a laptop sleeve or a notebook or whatever you want. Okay. So leave us a review. We heart all of you. Love you. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Like we, we love you really a lot and keep writing for Hackanoon. Anybody can submit a story to Hackanoon. There may or may not be more just rewards coming up in the shape of various things that can't yet be talked about. So get onto Hackanoon, create an account and submit your tech story. We want to read it. We want to publish it. We want to feature it on this podcast. All right. Big love, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Amy and Daria for joining me today. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Keep listening to the Hackanoon podcast. This has been This Week on Planet Internet. Afternoon podcast.